You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! And welcome back to Hardwood Radio. Ben, it's the first playoff show. It's the first his- playoff in the history of this show. Man, what a great basketball drama controversies if you're talking about dancing on the court or a lot of things are happening in VA. First of all, how you doing? Very good. You? I am great. I've been watching a lot of basketball over the last couple of days, especially this weekend. Saturday was probably the busiest day of sports I've ever experienced. 14 straight hours of NBA, NHL, F1, boxing, whatever you want to call it, name it. I watched it. It was crazy. MLS too, no? Exactly, MLS, especially <laughs> with Montreal back winning a great game. But uh, let's talk about basketball, and let's just start with the Raptors, the, 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 the team that we follow a little bit closer because it's closer to our home, and we've watched closely those two first games. The second game, their victory, their 1-1. Dwight Casey has probably managed his best game as a Toronto Raptors coach. Uh, yeah, I would agree um, because he found the exact right spot to right weak spot to uh, work on. Um, they uh, the Pacers had the exact right pieces to make Kyle Lowry's and Demar Derozan's life miserable. So what did he do? Uh, Casey went to work on the recruit Miles Turner. Uh, Miles Turner was instrumental in uh, the first uh, game where the Pacers beat uh, the Raptors. So he was put in foul trouble very early um, this in, in this game. And uh, Jonas Valanciunas just went to town in the post. It was quite a sight to behold. A player that impressed me in the two <clears throat> games, even in the first game in the loss, it's Patterson for the Raptors. A mm-hmm. Canadian kid that's playing for the Raptors and that's actually doing great things in the playoff where Cal Lowry's, wow, struggling, but finding ways to pass the ball, especially in the second game, to Patterson, Valanciunas, Scola. A great performance by the Blanche players for the Raptors. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Pat Patterson and Corey Joseph. First of all, uh, Pat Patterson is the best name in basketball, I believe. Best name ever. Is it a is it isn't the name of a uh, pro wrestling guy? Yes, Pat Patterson, <laughs> legend from Montreal, the first ever uh, intercontinental champion. Ben, I didn't I didn't even know he was the intercontinental <laughs> champion. The first ever, but, Pat Patterson. Uh, Pat Patterson, uh, Patrick Patterson. Uh, I think he, he likes he prefers uh, when you call him uh, Patrick. Probably He's, because uh, of that reason. <laughs> a lot a lot of people a lot of people thought he should have been nominated for um, sixth man of the year this year. Uh, but he ended up not being because he was vital to the uh, Raptors' success. The Raptors have a big problem uh, at the four. Uh, none of their power forwards can really shoot the ball. And Patterson's only upside is that he can shoot the ball very well for a big guy. And he was very instrumental in the Raptors' success this year. He was instrumental in the 
and uh, they win in the second in the second game of uh, this playoff, and um, uh, and that's it. He. Um, he was not the Canadian kid, though. You're confounding it with Corey Joseph. Oh, yeah. Corey, Corey Joseph is from Canada. Patterson is from yeah. Washington. Joseph from Mississauga, from about 20 minutes away yes. from Toronto. Yes, exactly. And uh, what's surprising, though, it's if you're looking at the Raptors and the, the struggle of Kyle Lowry to shooting, basically, which mm-hmm. can be explained maybe with his bursitis in his knee, uh, in his elbow, I mean, which was uh, not giving him a lot of chances at the end of the season he was struggling a lot with his shooting percentage mm-hmm. because of that bursitis now in the playoff he's struggling too but he's finding ways to pass the ball and the bench Corey Joseph you mentioned Pat Patterson are really insurmountable they're really greatly needed for Toronto uh, do mm-hmm. you think now they're going on the road for game three going to Indianapolis that it's going to be maybe even more difficult to keep up with Indianapolis because they have been very successful uh, playing against Toronto in the postseason so far They are a, a postseason team. They are a playoffs team. They are very, very experienced uh, going deep into the playoffs. And Kyle, uh, Frank Vogel, the coach of uh, Indianapolis, uh, of the Indiana, pardon me, he is a very underrated. He improves from year to year. Uh, I was very worried about how George Hill and Paul George handled uh, Laurie and the Rosen on defense. Uh, it's going to be a tough series. I think that the Raptors have too much talent uh, to uh, end up losing that series, but it might very well go in seven games. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And it's the first series. It's For the Raptors, their history of losing in the first round is greatly known. They haven't won a playoff <laughs> series, I think, uh, since early 2000, 2001, 2002, oh, oh. I believe. Over a decade, yes, that's for sure. Exactly. So for them, if they can get that win, no matter how, it's six, seven games, doesn't matter. It's mm. going to become easier after. Uh, let's talk about the actual playoffs. There's a couple of big injuries. We're talking about mm-hmm. Curry, Avery, Bradley. Let's talk about Steph Curry, the, yes. the MVP of 2016. Obviously, ankle problems day to day. Yeah, he's considered questionable for the game tomorrow. But it's the best. It's the best. Um, he has the best timing to get injured. He doesn't have any pressure to come back. Um, Sean Livingston can handle a guy like Patrick Beverly very well. Uh, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna struggle with. Uh, I think I don't think Patrick Beverly is gonna cause them trouble with Livingston on the floor. Um, they should rest him for as long as he needs. I think Golden State will pull the that series. In five, in five games max without Steph Curry. That's how much better they are than Houston. Well, exactly. It's already 2 nothing in that series for a Golden State and quite easily those two victories oh, yeah. came to. Oh, yeah. The second one was a lot. Well, the first one was a trashing, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of trashings in that first round so <laughs> yes. far. Yes. I don't know if you've watched any San Antonio versus Memphis game, but it's like a oh. horror movie. Outside Tim Duncan, which did oh, not yeah. do a field goal in the second game for the first time in his career in the playoff. But outside of that, yeah, uh, San Antonio has been great too. Did he even shoot? <laughs> exactly. I, I went to bed, I think, in the, uh, in the, for the second half last game, and he, I didn't have, he didn't even shoot yet. In the first <laughs> half, he didn't even take a shot. Did you see that picture of him? Uh, I think it was on TSN or something. It just looks so old. Gray oh, hair. Yeah. It, it was like at the end of the game with sweat and like all the fatigue in his face. And I was like, damn, is he like 55 years old? Because that picture I, sure looks like he is. 
apparently he has a leg that doesn't work anymore and that's not something you can notice until you see him play live but apparently i think it's his right leg it doesn't work anymore he just limps on the court well you got to respect that guy that guy really loves to play basketball and is it his last season he he didn't not announce it he didn't do a kobe but is it his last season do you think uh i think if they uh if they get an unceremonious uh an unceremonious exit that's like let's say in the second round against okc might be last season yes yeah, all right. Interesting. So let's just uh, move on. We've talked about Golden State. They're dominating. We talked mm-hmm. about Toronto. Let's move to the Clippers and Portland. Only one game played so far, and the Clippers won their first game. What can you say about this series so far? Uh, I'm a bit worried because the Clippers showed that they have a much better starting five than, than Portland. It's not even up for debate. Their, their starting five has blown up, uh, Portland out of the water uh, Blake Griffin has attacked the basket really hard. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, aside from breaking one of the worst free throws I've ever <laughs> seen in my life, has been a very uh, positive presence on both ends of the floor. I'm worried because Doc Rivers uses them a lot. And if he starts using them 35, 40, 45 minutes a game like this, it's going to happen like like last year. They're going to crash eventually. They're going to might crash in the second round because if they win, they're playing Golden State. Yeah, exactly. Oklahoma, Dallas, OKC, and Dallas have split the first two games 1-1. One, one. Yes. Now they're going to Dallas for game three. What can you tell us about OKC and Dallas? Dallas has been a little bit surprising in Oklahoma. Uh, not necessarily some drama, but uh, maybe a little bit of a dispute in the locker room too. Uh, yeah, Um it's interesting because it shows you how a good coach can make all the difference in the world. Uh, OKC is leagues ahead of Dallas in terms of overall talent on the team, but Rick Carlisle is miles and planets ahead of Billy Donovan in terms of coaching, and he was able to bottle up um, Kevin Durant, get him out of his comfort zone, get him frustrated. Uh, psych out uh, Russell Westbrook completely and without these two um, the uh, the Thunder is equipped with pea shooters basically yeah and now there's a controversy brewing in Oklahoma too with Russell Westbrook being criticized for dancing and having too much fun in the warm-up saying it distracts him and his teammates from the actual game reminiscing of the uh, the, the choreography that we've seen with many different teams and warm-ups over the last few years Oh, I think I think uh, if if it's any media from OKC that came out with this crap controversy, I think they should really be more polite to uh, Russell Westbrook because he can uh, leave starting next year, and uh, if he doesn't feel uh, appreciated in OKC, he's gonna take his talent elsewhere. When you have a top seven talent like this, you just keep him. You just find any ways to make him happy and make him want to stay because he's going. If he's not, he's going to bolt and he's going to go elsewhere, make a, an, another team a championship contender. He's a he's a California boy. He might uh, he might sign with the Lakers eventually. Hey, they need a face, so he could be the face of that franchise. But oh, it was a second-leaning exactly. story, Ben, on pardon the interruption on SP- yes. ESPN tonight. So it just it just was brought out of proportion already, and it's been like a day. Oh, big since. time, big time. I agree. I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw it on um, social media, and I was like, why, why are they complaining? But you know, the guy he dances with, Cameron Payne, is actually a really good player. And he's a really good player that's being benched by Billy Donovan for some reason. That is a lot more of a cause for concern. Um, he's, he's, the best, he's one of the best offense creators on the team. He's a lot more of a cause for concerns than Russell Westbrook dancing. 
Come yeah. on. Now, uh, San Antonio, the Spurs, the number two seed, which is crazy because any given year, it would have been the best team in the league, except this oh, yeah. year where Golden State and San Antonio, probably maybe the two best teams ever to play basketball in the same year. But uh, San Antonio against Memphis, it's 2 nothing. It's going to be a sweep. It won't be pretty. The Memphis Grizzlies have been tamed already. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the, part of the reason is that Every member of their starting five, except for Zach Randolph, is injured. <laughs> that doesn't uh, help in the playoffs. And they're out for the playoffs. It, they are. I was. I was hearing uh, Haralabas Vulgaris talk on the Bill Simmons podcast saying they're probably the worst team to ever make the playoffs, and that's because they're a replacement team. Uh, they uh, Boston last uh, last game they beat some record for the lowest. No amount of points in a quarter uh, with seven against Atlanta. And Memphis still finished with less points overall in their game. Boston finished with 72. Memphis finished with 68. That's how overmatched they are against the Spurs. It's going to be a sweep. The Spurs are going to relax uh, before playing OKC and be in an optimum uh, shape. And again, I think it's worth mentioning clearly that uh, Tim Duncan struggled in that game. And it was the first time in his career where he did not achieve a field goal. And I think it's maybe is that he's on the decline side of that peak. Uh, apparently, oh, you could say. big time, big time. And if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you notice uh, on the box score, um, every player is playing 20 minutes because Greg uh, uh, Popovich doesn't even need to overplay anyone. anyone. Kawhi Leonard, I think, who has 24, is 24 years old, played eight, uh, 28 minutes. Defensive player game. of the year, by the way. We're going to talk oh, yeah. about oh, it in yeah. a few We're minutes, but yes. About, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's not, he's not worried at all. Like, like Memphis is already beat. Yeah, let's move to the Eastern Conference. Cleveland, yes. Detroit, the second game is tonight. So yes, far, sir. LeBron and his boys have won one nothing. Do you expect anything out of Detroit? Do you expect Detroit to maybe put a great performance in the game because it was not even close in the first game? And Detroit, could they make a, could they win a game basically in that series? It's what they're trying to do now. I think so. I think they can win one or two maybe because... Um... They were doing great. They were, they were, they were doing great. Uh, Reggie Jackson was a bit thrown off his game uh, because he was trying to uh, he was trying to get his team back ahead at the end in the fourth quarter, and I don't think he's the player you need to do that. And Stan Van Gundy took the weird decision to take uh, Andre Drummond off uh, in the fourth quarter because he cannot cannot make his free throws. But Andre Drummond is their best player. So you need him on the floor in the fourth quarter against Cleveland. Um, I think they are tremendously better coached than Cleveland. And I think they are going to steal at least one game. No, exactly. All right. So the second game tonight, it's on uh, TSN. Two, three, and probably four and 28. So if you want to watch, it's on TSN in Canada. And in the States, it's on TNT. All right. Atlanta, Boston. Uh, the Hawks are 2-0 against the Celtics. Celtics is a surprising team that had a, a maybe overachievement finishing fifth in the Eastern Conference. They were maybe perceived to finish closer to the seventh, eighth place. Atlanta is actually having a great performance at the end of the season. What can you tell us about Atlanta in this series so far? Um, Paul Millsap is an absolute nightmare defensively for Boston. He can take... 
uh, he can take Jared Salinger and then he can switch on Jake Crowder. He can guard anybody who can shoot. And there's not a lot of people who can shoot on in Boston. Like it's, it's one of their weak spot and Atlanta. You blocked Thomas and there's nothing left, right? Uh, exactly. There's Isaiah Thomas who's their best shooter and he's five foot nine. Uh, so you put a guy on him. Doesn't matter which guy because he's taller than the, than him for sure, and you're fine. And they had, uh, yeah, it's Jeff Teague, their point guard, who's six two. He's doing a tremendous job at their containing Isaiah Thomas. And their only sh- uh, guard who could shoot was Avery Bradley, and he's got an hamstring injury. He should be out for the entire series. I liked Boston as a dark horse in these playoffs, but without Avery Bradley against a. a technically sound team like Atlanta, I think they're dead in the water. I think it finishes in five games. Miami-Charlotte. Miami with their win in the first game. Second game starts in about 10 minutes. Miami is the favorite in that series. Mm. So far, they have won. Uh, can Charlotte, the young Charlotte team led by Lynn, can they achieve something here? Can they tie it up maybe tonight? Is it going to be closer than we expect maybe with this series? Uh, I thought it would be closer. I thought it would be that the first game would be more competitive and they ended up being completely blown out of water. It was another savage beat down. Uh, I actually the old classic down. of the old grizzle veteran of Miami beating the young kids of Charlotte. Uh, yeah, but I I did not understand the rotation of Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford was trying to find answers uh, down low. He was trying as many bigs as he could. Some guys played. Some guys you usually play 20 minutes, played four minutes. And I don't know what happened there, but it was a complete fiasco. I'm not expecting game two to go down like this. I'm actually expecting this one to go 1-1 tonight. Uh, But let's say Miami wins that decisively again. They're going to to sweep Charlotte. But if Charlotte can manage to bank this game, that's that's going to be a competitive series. Just to finish off with Toronto and Indiana, yes. Toronto won one. Did they finally get that monkey off their back by winning a game and actually performing pretty good and overcoming a big, good strategy by Indiana? So they literally overcame adversity in their second game. Can they carry this through the series and get a good result in the first round of the playoff, which was their Achilles heel for the last 15 years? I am still not sold. I still don't like what I've seen from Laurie and the Rosan. And as long as it will not carry the offensive load, I don't take anything for granted from from the Raptors. Uh, I still have them in seven games in an ugly uh, series. But I like. Let's say they, fight, they they face Miami or Atlanta in the second round. Um, it's going to it's going to be nasty. Like they're going to lose. Just to illustrate the difference of Lowry and DeRozan's support to the team combined so far, uh, usually in the regular season, they had, between the two of them, 44 points average per game for the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. And in the game, on uh, the second game, a couple of days ago, they had about 10 points altogether and some points in pretty, the fourth quarter. So that's a, that's the biggest difference. It's like 30 points that the bench had to share and score to get that win compared to regularly. So yeah, it was a, it was an overcoming of a situation for Toronto where you have to overcome your two biggest stars not giving anything in Damari Carroll, which is getting back to 100%, but is not still 100%, needing to maybe give more than he can. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're going to need everything uh, and nothing from the Mario Carroll. That's why they signed him for fifteen millions a year, and he—that's—that's that's where he's going to earn his money, like in this series. 
All right, let's talk about the coach carousel, man. It has started. A lot of coach have lost their job, and a couple of new ones have been signed. The latest rumors, which seem he seems to be close to a signing of a contract with the Minnesota Timberwolves, Tom Thibodeau, former coach of the Chicago Bulls, would be the head coach and director of basketball personnel for Minnesota Timberwolves if they both can reach an agreement on terms. I am not sure, but I think it's official now. But uh, he's in, basically he's inheriting uh, con- full control yes, of basketball. Yes, breaking news. It is right now just showing up on my ticker on TSN and ESPN. Breaking mm-hmm. news. Tom Thibodeau agrees to term with the Timberwolves as head coach and president. It is a best case scenario for Minnesota, who were always out of luck in their entire existence. I think they came in the league in 1990. Um, is by far the best coach they've ever had, and who's inheriting probably the mo- one of the most talented team they've ever had. Um, he is a he is the architect of the 2008 Boston Celtics defense that won the NBA championship. He he ran the tightest defense in the NBA when he was playing half with half of his. Um, roster injured and was playing Carlos Boozer 30 minutes on the floor each night with the Chicago Bulls. It was kind of an exploit in itself. He is one of the most intense, uh, unyielding men in the NBA. These young guns are going to get their asses kicked and I'm expecting them to be drastically improved next year. I'm expecting Minnesota maybe to make the playoffs. And there's a Canadian aspect to this signing because if you're looking at the maybe the biggest prospect of Canadian basketball in history, mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins, which is mm-hmm. in Minnesota, which is probably going to benefitly, greatly benefit, I mean, from this signing is going to develop maybe even more. Tom Thibodeau has been known to help the development of great prospects. So for mm-hmm. Canadian basketball in the future, I think that signing of Tom Thibodeau as head coach and president of the Minnesota Timberwolves could be very beneficial for a player like Andrew Wiggins. I think it's going to do wonders for his game. Just look what he did with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler transformed into a, this incredible overachiever under Tom Thibodeau. I think that the sky is the limit. I think that with Towns and Wiggins, uh, with Tom Thibodeau behind the bar, it's the Timberwolves are going to crush some people next year in the in the West. They're going to be a force within three years. Now, uh, if Tom Thibodeau was hired, because he means that somebody was fired before him, can you go yes. through the actual all the coaches that were fired over the last week and the coaches that are maybe touted to take their places? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, there was um, George Carl lost his job in Sacramento, which was not a surprise. Um, uh, the Kings, their biggest moment of the season was beating, the, being the first team. In, you know, in that uh, 73 and 9, they were mm-hmm. the first in those nine, was the, the Kings. But outside of that, their season sucked. They were uh, they were completely chaotic. They were uh, they were unruly, undisciplined. The uh, Marcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo ran the asylum. Basically, they were the inmates running the asylum. Uh, George Carl, who is reputable, has a very difficult coach to get along. He was not. He did not mesh with the Cousins and. Uh, Rondo um, apparently they've interviewed, which was hilarious. They've interviewed. Um, Mark Jackson, Vinny Del Negro, and Sam Mitchell to um, take his place, which are three of the worst coaches in the league, and uh, and it's so such a Sacramento move to make. 
Um, Minnesota Sam Mitchell, who was, I think, a consensus worst coach in the league, was fired too, uh, replaced by Tom Thibodeau. And Randy Whitman, which was the long, painful, which is long, painful reign in Washington, has finally ended. I think everybody is glad to see his ring over. He was overmatched. He was out of his depth. He's a great assistant coach. He's not a coach. And I think the uh, I think the uh, Wizards are out to perform now that he's gone. Apparently, they're closing in on a deal with Scott Brooks, who took the Young and and, and Green uh, at Oklahoma Thunder to the um, NBA Finals. So that's going to be inter- an interesting mix with John Wall. And uh, otherwise in the league, uh, Kenny Atkinson, who was a um, assistant coach in Atlanta, has been named a head coach of the Brooklyn Nets for the next season. He's going to be officially named after the uh, Atlanta Hawks we'll get uh, fin- yes. f- finish their season, which is they are going to. Yeah, uh, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. So I, I know, Once I they get beat, so. maybe in the Eastern Conference by Cleveland at the best possible scenario, then it'll be announced. I think I think it's an interesting hire because last time um, a team went uh, into to the Atlanta Hawks bench and picked one guy out of the blue that nobody knew. It was the Jazz hitting a home run with Quinn Snyder. So I think Kenny Atkinson is going to be very very good for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I, I like this hire very much. I think the culture is changing. The wind is finally starting to blow in the right direction for the poor Nets. We briefly mentioned it earlier, but Kawhi Leonard of the San Antonio Spurs was named the Defensive Player of the Year. Not a surprise here. It's been uh, overdue. We knew he was going to win. It's been that type of season for him that he was so dominant as a defensive player for San Antonio. Uh, What can you tell us about Kawhi Leonard? What does impress you the most with his defensive play? Um, he is by far the best one-on-one defender in the league. He can guard anybody from point guards to power forward. He is quick enough. He is strong enough. He has freakishly long arms. He is one of my top five players I love to watch in the NBA. I just love the poetry of seeing him in motion. Uh, to give the listeners a, a, uh, a uh, comparison, he is often compared to Scottie Pippen. Which was which was one of my favorite players of all time. It's very fair comparison. He was very fluid. Uh, Scarlett Pippen, I remember, was very fluid oh, yeah. for a tall and lengthy fella. He was very fluid in his movement, and like you mentioned, the grace and the poetry in motion. Yeah, it's true. And the Draymond Green, who finished second this year, who finished second last year too, said he felt uh, robbed last year because Kawhi Leonard played like 60 games, but this year he didn't feel robbed at all because Kawhi was clearly superior. And it makes sense, you know. Uh, Draymond is a team defender. Basically, he's a, he's a floor general. He tells people where to go. He calls the switches. But Kawhi is so good, he doesn't even need to do that because as soon as Kawhi Leonard clamps on your ball handler, your possession is pretty much over. And the award is not best player in a defensive team. It's best defensive player. So there's a difference exactly. too. It's the best one person, the best individual that is playing a defensive game in the entire season for a team, yes, but individually. Yes, and uh, also I want to mention <laughs> Jamal Crawford has been named uh, sixth man of the year yesterday for the third time in five years or six years or something like that, which is really weird. 
Um, I like Jamal Crawford. I think he's a tremendous six man. He is in every one of my teams when I play NBA 2K. But <laughs> it's a weird choice that to give it to Jamal. Like, oh, we don't know who to give it to, so we'll give it to Jamal because we know he's a good six man. Um, I've made some research alongside uh, Jared Wade from Findsided on Twitter. We found out that since 2000, um, 13 times this award has been awarded to the very similar kind of player, an offense-creating shooting guard, um, which is really strange. Like it's it's a typical sixth man, but some years. Uh, some forwards deserve the title better. Like Andre Godala in Golden State clearly deserves six men of the year this year mm-hmm. and was shunned because he's not a big enough of an offensive player. Well, yeah, six men. Uh, there's a certain limit to the offensive uh, capability that a six man should be able to bring to the table to get that award mm-hmm. because you're six men. You're not starting the game. You're not necessarily having the looks for to get those balls to drop because you're the six man. You're the guy that comes in in a situation that's not always favorable. So you're not always there to you're there to sometimes extinguish fire. You're there to stop a eight and no break. You're there to stop maybe a, a to get a foul when it's time to because you're the sixth man. So yeah, that needs to be taken into consideration. <laughs> It's it's about helping your team. It's about helping your team while your best players are not on the floor, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think Andre Godala was clearly clearly the best candidate. But I gave it to Jamal again. I'm happy for Jamal because I think overall he's an underrated player. He had an underrated career, but it's I don't know. It was a weird pick, and I it's a bit more of a running gag now that he was one third time. <laughs> All right, let's move to the last segment of the show. As always, yes, prospect of the week, one that was maybe tutted from going to the draft, but no, in the shock and surprise to everyone, he's going yes. back to school, Grayson Allen. Yeah, it was. it's a weird choice, but it's understandable in some reason because Grayson Allen is probably trying to be the greatest uh, college basketball villain since Christian Leitner. Um, he, I don't see any other reason why he would go back to school because uh, the, the NBA draft is all about maximizing your draft potential, right? Maximizing your value and not taking ex- too much risk in case something happens a year after. Exactly. Or if, let's say, you get bumped off the rotation because he was poised to go maybe uh, mid-teens, early 20s in the draft. A lot of people compare him to Courtney Elite, who plays for Charlotte, which I think is a very sound uh, comparison. They were, they were very similar, except that Grayson Allen trips people on the court. <laughs> but Except uh, the physical play of Grayson Allen, yes. Uh, yes, well... Uh, um, which for in the pro, in the pro game is going to be very interesting though. That's the thing. Why is he going back to school when his biggest asset is going to be what he's going to be a pro? His size and his physical play is going to be very valuable. There's a there's an interesting crop that's coming to Duke this year with Ari Giles and Jason Tatum. I don't know. Maybe he wants to win another championship, but um, I don't know. I would have seen him in the NBA. I think a lot of teams could have benefited his shooting and his athletic ability, uh, his his uh, his uh, um, ability to slash to the rim. It was it was weird. It was odd. Now uh, we have actual prospect of the week as yes. well. <laughs> Thon Maker. Yes. Uh, Which, yeah. no, is not a name of somebody that works in a fish factory. He doesn't make <laughs> doesn't make tuna, but it's Thon Maker. Uh, 
Yeah, um, I had two guys here. Tom made it this week. Tom Maker and Scallop is here because they have a very similar profile. Um, and they might both end up as um, cautionary tales for other players. Uh, Tom Maker first, he was declared eligible last week to enter the NBA draft, even if he did not go to college. He, uh, he was in Canada uh, the last two years playing for Orangeville Prep. Um, he, he, him and Lavisier are both handled by, uh, well, they, they, by legal guardians, basically. Uh, um, Maker is from Sudan, Lavisier is from Haiti. They were discovered by people who uh, traveled there in order, to, uh, in order to scout for basketball players. And both are from a bit alien to uh, this culture. And... Uh, and they were. Uh, I know. I know. Lebisier was a very uh, shady recruiting case. A lot of people thought he would never play a game in uh, college. And Maker uh, is going to the draft probably because he's not eligible to um, uh, to go to college. And both guys are rushed. Uh, Maker has uh, Maker has a better chance of making it to the pros because he hasn't went to college and got his confidence destroyed by Le, like Lebisier did. Lebisier got really handled in college. He's not a physical player. He's a, a, he's a perimeter big. He is a good shooter, but he's a little bit useless if you're not going to use him on a perimeter. He's got, probably going to get drafted in the first round, but he's going to need a lot of love. He's going to need a whole lot of love this uh, next season in the NBA. If not, he's going to uh, fade out and disappear. Uh, is Maker going to make going to be a first round draft pick? Probably, probably like a very like 28th, 29th. I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs take a flyer on him. Either like very late first round or maybe early second. Yes, uh, I think the potential, the upside is going because he's a very tall guy. He's, is seven foot one, two thirty. I think that this is going to entice the team to pick him up in the first round. Uh, but I could not. Uh, I I will not bet my life on it. But these two these two guys are um, really have been rushed by uh, legal guardians who are looking to make money off them. Uh, Labissiere particularly has a very very shady case where he went to a uh, prep school that doesn't exist. And nobody has a proof. No, nobody has a proof that his prep school exists. It's called Reach Your Dream uh, Prep School, which is part of the Reach Your Dream Foundation, which belongs to his legal guardian, Gerald Hamilton. Uh, so it's all a makeup story. You've never played before. It's his first. He's a rookie. Uh, he he was, maybe he was he was uh, he was That's playing funny. Haiti after the uh, after the uh, earthquake, and he was. He was discovered in 2011, so he hasn't been playing basketball for a very long time. Yeah, uh, like the Reach Your Dream Prep School is, could be basically just the community where they were living. Guys, let's play basketball together every day. Pretty, and hey, we're preparing for something. Let's call ourselves a prep school. Pretty much, and there, there's no, there's not. There's no nice, proof that that's not what it was. Exactly, and there's not a nice, there's not a nice future ahead for both i think they're going to end up being marginal players in the nba i think maker has a better chance to make it not to make a bad uh, word play here but <laughs> make, her, make it, um, get it. <laughs> but uh i don't they're they're going to end up cautionary tales for uh 
for other uh, young players in the NBA. All right. I know we have a lot of NBA players listening to this, and I know this time of year, especially this day in particular, is very important for a lot of basketball players. But, uh, <laughs> of course, because it's a playoff game, of course. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's April 20th, Ben. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing no, at all. A... No. I hope not. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll let you go. We'll keep an eye on all the playoff game. And if there's anything, we'll come back with a breaking news show. If not, stay tuned to the Sports Podcasting Network for your basketball audio fix back next week. Until then, enjoy the playoff, Ben. You too. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.